at work episode c for the 23rd of january 2021 welcome i'm your host ben Vasharan, along with my co-host chester wisniewski good to hear from you again ben it's been uh, a few months where i mean in 2020 we we managed to accelerate the podcast production from i believe one every five years uh, all the way up to like five or six in a year so we're on the right track and hopefully we're going to do much better in 2021 and as everything seems to be getting a little better in 2021 at the moment so uh, I'm looking forward to that and and maybe if uh, if we play our cards right we could do one in person if uh, magic happens before this calendar year is finished that would be awesome well yeah happy new year and uh, it's good to be back and I'm glad we've put a schedule together because uh, I did enjoy the few episodes that we did get out late last year but um we're relying on both of our nations to, uh, of course, deliver vaccines and then, uh, you know, approval to fly places. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, in fact, uh, we're planning on covering for next episode something. Uh, conferences have gone virtual. So as we're recording this, uh, Linux Conf AU is ongoing and uh, I'm intending, uh, uh, intending on attending it. And hopefully I'll be able to participate in some of it and provide some feedback in the next episode. And uh, are you going to join me? I won't. I'll see what comes up after the fact, but um, unfortunately, virtual events uh, don't really work for me. I've got a very young family, two young daughters, uh, and having to take time out of the weekend just doesn't really work. It's hard to say, family, I'm locking myself away in a room, don't bother me. So um, for all these virtual events, I've just gone back and retrospectively watched the recordings during the work week on a spare monitor. Well, that's just it. I, I don't really care about the live aspect of it. I mean, it's fun to hang out in Discord or in a chat uh, with some people or be able to ask um, a speaker questions live. But one of the great things uh, these days is like, you know, most people are on Twitter and stuff. And if you've got a question later, you can you can send them a tweet or, uh, you know, drop them a note on, on other social media. So uh, I, I think it's more for me. I think it's uh, giving them a little bit of financial support to keep the conference going and having hopefully uh, easy prioritized access to those videos, even if I can't watch them in real time, because uh, this year uh, it's of course Saturday in Australia, but here in Canada, that's Friday. And I've got a reasonably busy day on Friday to, uh, to do work. So I don't know if I'll be able to, to, to get free to participate live, but I certainly hope to use some of my spare time over the following few days to, to watch some of the uh, highlights. One of the things that has been nice, I will say, with the virtual events is like if you go back and watch the, the security conference, DEF CON, if you look at their videos from even four years ago, the audio video quality was very dependent on who was doing that recording for the room. So one thing that's been nice with these virtual conferences is going back and watching the recordings have been a much higher quality because everyone seems to have a decent microphone and a webcam now and know how to share a screen. So... 
virtual conference when it comes to retrospectively watching on demand has actually been really, really good uh, in comparison to a live event. It's, uh, it's certainly no substitute. Yeah, I certainly recommend the beginning of year two of a pandemic over the beginning of year one, because in, in year one, you know, there was no toilet paper, there was no webcams, there was, <laughs> there, there, the only problem we have at the beginning of year two of a pandemic now is still no GPUs, like you, you can't get a GPU for love or money, but uh, beyond that, I, I think we've, we've largely got things sorted out, and, and I've always had a lot of nice high quality gear because I love doing audio and video production stuff for podcasts and things like that. But it's been it's been nice to see everybody else up their game. <laughs> totally agree. So uh, so what do we start with today? I think we're going into the Pine Phones, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we we both purchased Pine Phones. Uh, I, I believe we even did. We both get the Manjaro edition. Both got the Manjaro edition. Uh, ordered within a couple of days of each other and uh, received them pretty quick as well, actually. They wasted no time in delivery. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's a, it, it, my first impressions are very, very mixed, um, and mostly because I've had a pretty bad run of hardware failure. Uh, so I got my device, and what impressed me initially was just its lightweight. It was, it was very affordable, and it was, uh, you know, it's not the it does. You're not going to be confused that it's an iPhone as far as like the 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 physical feel of it, the build quality necessarily. But, you know, the size and shape of the device and the weight of it is surprisingly light for a very budget device. And a lot, you got the conversion package as well, as I think, but I, I did. And for, I think it was $300, getting a Type-C dock, you're holding it up now, getting that Type-C adapter with video on it, a couple of USB ports, Ethernet, as well as a device, uh, horrendously affordable. Fantastic, in my opinion. So I had some very high hopes for potential capabilities of the Pine phone. So I, I turned my device on um, within probably an hour of it hitting my doorstep. And it was quite excited, a new toy to play with, even though I had a lot of work to do. And uh, started monkeying around with it. I had a spare SIM to put in there with some data on it. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I haven't left the house in six months. I don't know what I need a SIM for. Uh, but I, I plopped a SIM in there and I turned it on and mine pretty much went into a, a boot loop. Uh, I could not get to a login screen. I could not get through the wizard without it crashing repeatedly. Uh, it was a pretty big fail. So uh, there is a kind of a, a neat uh, way of flashing these devices where they have a, a micro SD card image that you can download, which kind of puts it into like firmware upload mode, almost like a DFU mode in an iPhone or something where, you know, you boot the little micro SD card, you plug in the USB-C cable to your laptop and, uh, it shows up as a device on the laptop. So you can actually just DD an image straight onto the, the built-in EEPROM, which is a, some sort of a, um, a, a micro MMC or something that's built in. I can't remember what they call it now. EM, EMMC, right? The the built-in memory. Uh, so I thought, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll put a new image on it and fix whatever's, maybe just, you know, maybe the factory image was an alpha build of Manjaro or something like that, right? And I, I was struggling to even effectively get an image onto it. I was getting write errors from DD saying that certain blocks weren't writable, uh, all this kind of thing, and ultimately determined that I think it's a defective mainboard. So that that was a pretty bad start to things. Uh, it, it partly worked. Eventually, I managed to get Ubuntu, uh, uh, the Ubuntu phone release on there, and that flashed onto it. And does, it does work, but it's also unstable. 
in that occasionally when I'm trying to use it, it'll just reboot out of nowhere. Um, so it's telling me there's probably some bad memory, bad RAM or something in it. Uh, but but I, it is functional enough for me to start testing. And I went through the support process with them, which was dismal uh, and slow round trips. Of course, I suspect they're in Taiwan. So that was always an overnight for me to get a response, but a lot of denial that anything was wrong, even though it's clear that I couldn't flash the device or get anything to even run off of an MMC card, uh, because of the Ram issue I was having. And so eventually they begrudgingly agreed to send me a replacement mainboard, which I got about two and a half months later. And I'm also holding up to the camera. Um, I don't know why, because it doesn't work. Uh, I tore the phone apart, uh, installed it, I did it f six different ways and retried and tested everything and it would not even power up in any way, shape or form with the replacement mainboard. I put the partially defective one back in and it worked fine, which tells me I'm not assembling it wrong uh, or I wouldn't be able to get it to work again. So I think the mainboard they sent me is actually defective as well. So very poor QA from my perspective. shipping anything to where I live in Australia is horrendously problematic. Uh, Australia is far away from everywhere anyway, uh, so try living off an island off of Australia. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't have those kinds of hardware problems. I will say though, I had some pretty high hopes for the Pine phone. Uh, reason being, I haven't put a SIM card in it, uh, but I thought to myself, well, when I'm traveling, or when I'm even presenting, if I can get the Pine phone and that convergence kit plug it into a projector that's in the middle of the room or wherever it is and present off it. Or it's a mobile video device for when I'm back on planes. You know, my ThinkPad's out of battery. I want to watch something that, because I've seen everything that's on that, uh, that plane uh, entertainment unit. I want to watch something on my phone. That's what I'll use for it. Because it's a really nice device. I really like the screen on it too. I thought that it's actually good quality. But my perception and my dream of what the Pine phone could be for me, which is almost like a, a, a small laptop running Linux, uh, it was squashed pretty quickly, I have to say, Chet. I, uh, I'm slightly disappointed at the moment. So mine first booted up, uh, booted into GNOME uh, using Manjaro, and it seemed to work okay, a little bit buggy. But then I discovered, you know, there was no over-the-air update. So I tried to jump to terminal and update the device uh, and it didn't really work. I couldn't get over the air updates to work for the operating system, only some of the software, just using Pac-Man, which is standard in Manjaro. So I went to download a new image and then I found images, for example, wouldn't boot. Like just the Manjaro nightly build, for example, just did not work. Uh, I'm a Plasma user as well and it seemed like all the marketing that I saw around Manjaro on the Pine phone was about Plasma, but that just wasn't the case. Like most of the images were in fact using GNOME. Uh, and it was just so buggy from day one. Um, like was the device on? I don't know because it wouldn't come out of standby. Uh, at the moment I've got an issue where I can only turn the device on if it's in landscape mode, not portrait mode. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah. That's a good one. It, it's just, uh, I, I guess I'm not, Disappointed. Well, I, I am disappointed. It is a dev. De it is a dev device, right? It's not production. Yeah, and I was 
I was expecting a little bit more polish, which maybe isn't fair and it's just my expectations of the world, but what I hoped for was a, a smaller device and a tablet that was running Linux that I could plug in and, you know, get that desktop display. But, like, that convergence uh, package, I mentioned the Type-C dock that Accountant comes with, that doesn't work with the image that it ships with. In fact, you needed to get a nightly build that had the right drivers for it. And it was just very strange to see that they were shipping a convergence package and kind of selling the dream on the website, but then not even having it close to functional in its shipping state. So that, for me, was a disappointment. Yeah, the other surprise for me is um, the choice of chipset to some degree. Uh, so I, when I do get the device working, uh, uh, I have Sophos Wi-Fi access points uh, at my house. I work for Sophos. And they're, you know, business grade, enterprise grade APs, and they support all the latest stuff aside from Wi-Fi 6. And I could not get it to connect to Wi-Fi. For love or money, it would just not, there's no way it would connect to my Wi-Fi. It would, it, it would look like it was connected and it would immediately drop and over and over and over again. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, oh, it's just because this unit's defective. And I kind of wrote it off. So then I booted up my Pinebook Pro, which is a very similar platform, uh, but a laptop based on the uh, similar rock chipsets. And, and I love this little laptop. I've had a little bit of issues with it as well, but it's been rock solid and I have fun with it. And, and it, it, you know, being ARM based, get awesome battery life. You know, is it a MacBook? Uh, we'll talk about MacBooks a little later, but is it a MacBook? No, it's not a MacBook, but for $199, it's like an amazing laptop. And so I booted it up because I was going to do some other work. And I thought, oh, I need to make some new GPG keys and load them on a new YubiKey I got because uh, my GPG keys had just expired. And I use them for, for some of the uh, malware sample encryption I do with uh, other lab cohorts of the company. So I'm like, oh, well, this device is offline right now. I've got the Wi-Fi turned off. Uh, I'll generate my GPG keys in a, you know, on a live, uh, a live boot off of an MMC so that I know the machine's not compromised, it's not connected to the network. And then when I was done, I was like, oh, I haven't used this in a while. I should, you know, I've got Arch running on it. Um, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll update it. And I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi. And then the wheels started turning in my head going, wait a minute. The Pine Foam won't connect to the Wi-Fi, but neither is my Pinebook Pro. What do these two things have in common that nothing else in my house has in common? And eventually, after some creative duck-duck going, I determined it's the crappy Broadcom Wi-Fi chipset, which I never buy Broadcom in any device I own, because I know how horrible they are at Linux. Um, and uh, I've had such bad experiences over the past. In fact, my, my work laptop is a Dell XPS 13, because the developer edition that they ship Linux on specifically does not have Broadcom chipsets so that they know the Linux compatibility is good. And then similar as to what IBM is now doing with the X1 Carbon and others, when you get these Linux editions from major vendors, from uh, whether it be IBM or HP or Dell now, that's what the Linux edition is. They're basically saying on the Windows line, whatever the cheapest part of the day goes in for the touchpad driver or the Wi-Fi chipset. But on the Linux edition, we're going to charge you an extra 50 bucks, but you're going to get an Intel Wi-Fi and you're going to get a Synaptics touchpad because we know the driver support and open source and support from those vendors is incredibly good on Linux and we're not going to have problems. It surprised me. I guess it's the, the cost again. We both talked about how cheap they are. That's probably why they have Broadcom chipsets. But after a lot of Googling, I determined there, there's perpetual bugs with these chipsets working with fast roam. 
which is on in any enterprise Wi-Fi network to allow you to get from one AP to another without dropping any packets or having any interruption. As somebody who likes to pace and has a lot of Zoom phone calls, I, I go between my APs back and forth in the house all day long. And so I've got fast roam enabled to make sure I don't have any packet dropouts uh, for my coverage. And after seeing people talking on their Raspberry Pis about passing kernel options to disable fast roam, I tried that on the Pine phone and couldn't get it to work. But as soon as I went into my management for my APs and turned off FastRoam, immediately both the Pinebook Pro and the phone connected to the Wi-Fi without issue. So uh, that's Broadcom's fault. I can't really blame Pine, but I'm a little disappointed you would intentionally put Broadcom chipsets in something that is designed to run Linux because it's come back to bite Raspberry Pi and it's come back to bite me now with these devices. Yeah, and I do have to wonder, would there be, like, what would be the uplift to, to have a better chipset in there for something like wireless, like, we're talking even 25 30 bucks a device it's worth making that device more expensive for a better chipset um you know you mentioned the fast roam and stuff i wasn't aware of that but you know that's 802.11r from a standards perspective it has been around for a very very long time we shouldn't be still facing bugs for a technology that's been around for so long so it's pretty disappointing yeah it's it's a come and go problem, right? Like going through things, I see that everybody was complaining about this problem with Broadcom in 2015. And then somebody said, hey, there's a beta firmware in 2015 that fixes it. And everybody went, yay, it's fixed. And then in 2020, everybody started complaining again. So clearly this is a recurring issue at Broadcom with their firmware. And because it's a closed source binary blob, nobody can fix it. Like we just have to sit around and hope Broadcom does something about it, right? Like um, you know, Intel's been great at uh, their support of Linux, both commercially, meaning, you know, hiring developers to work on the Linux kernel, but also in opening up more and more and more of their code. And, you know, they've got their new GPU, the XE coming out, that's going to be built into the Rocket Lake chipsets in a few months. And I'm not a big Intel fanboy from the standpoint of the company per se, but their, their backing of Linux and the openness of their chipsets. And I've had zero problems with Intel gigabit NICs on all my Linux boxes. Intel Wi-Fi is always my preferred Wi-Fi in every Linux wet laptop I've had. And it's been flawless. And um, yeah, so mixed, mixed bag. I still love my Pinebook Pro. Still kind of on the fence considering I don't have a working phone. So uh, cheap is not good enough when it doesn't work at all. Um, but the little USB-C hub is great. I've used it both on the Pinebook Pro and on my Dell now. Like it's actually my preferred uh, dock for travel because it's a bit smaller than the old dock I had, and it's got all the ports I need, and it works brilliant. Yeah, I used the dock on uh, my X1 Carbon the other day, and it works. I'm like, all right, well, at least I know this component actually works. So I agree. I need to test it on my Pixel. Maybe your dream could come true with my Pixel, which is I can, I can use LibreOffice Present on my Pixel with a projector with the Pine uh, dock. Maybe I, I have to try that. Yeah, give it a go. But uh, so where does it leave you with uh, the Pine phone? What are you going to do next with it? Is it just a paperweight now, or where do you go from here? Um, I mean, if it worked, I'd keep playing with it and do something interesting with it. Being that it doesn't work, uh, the question is, do I feel like arguing with their tech support about another defective board? Uh, is it worth my pain? And I mean, it doesn't cost me anything. It's just a matter of, it costs me a little bit of mental health in that I get frustrated and angry going, no, you don't understand. I, I did that already. I tried that. I'm not stupid. I know how to, like, I can surface mount solder chips. I know what I'm doing. Um, so... You know, do I go through that process again? I don't know. If I got it working, I would certainly 
look forward to continuing to play with it. I think it's a promising device at the price point that it's at. It is a dev device. This is not meant for people to actually use in production yet. The, the, the software is evolving very quickly and it's very immature. And so a year or two from now, we might be in a situation where it's much more reliable at some of the things you were, you were hoping for. And even in the same device, like even without a faster chip or a GPU the upgrade or anything. So I, I wouldn't write it off, certainly for you with yours working. Um, with me, I've just been dreading opening up another ticket for being the idiot back and forth thing that happens with support when you're going, no, it's really broken, I swear. Like I did all that stuff, it's broken, and they don't want to believe you because, well... It's inconvenient for them. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I do want to be clear. I knew that it was a dev device as well. Uh, so I, I just thought that it would be a little bit more mature. One thing that I am seeing, though, is if you follow PinePhone at all, say, on Twitter or Reddit, like, news is coming in fast. Updates are coming fast. People are working really hard to make this device work. Uh, so I don't want anyone to think I'm throwing shade at their efforts. I just thought that the device would be a little bit more... Uh, functional when it came to shipping it. Uh, for me though, I'm going to keep my, the Pine phone on my desk. It's not in the cupboard with my stack of old phones that I pull out when I'm experimenting and playing. I've got it on my desk. It's got a nice stand that I 3D printed for it. And when I see something interesting about a new build or a new kernel update, uh, I've been flashing it regularly and putting the nightly builds on there. And that component, I have to say, it's the easiest phone I've ever had to try and flash. Like, I remember jailbreaking the, the first iPhones. Um, I had a friend that went to Thailand, I think it was, came home with some. Uh, I bought it off him for 200 bucks, and to try and flash and jailbreak an iPhone when they first came out, out was difficult, and I imagine it's still that way. I've had pixels before, and flashing that and rooting that device was annoying, uh, not as difficult as the iPhone. With this, just being able to put it into that boot mode, plug in the, uh, the USB-C cable and flashing it, it makes life really easy. So at least when it comes to experimenting with new builds and playing with new builds, it's easy to just get up and running. So I'm really happy from that perspective. Yeah, I agree. So I think, you know, maybe we'll revisit this in a year and see uh, what's it look like a year later. Like our, at that point is our primary complaint that it needs a, a beefier chip because it's now two years old and, you know, just needs a faster, faster arm or whatever. I mean, I think when they first started shipping these, you couldn't even successfully make a phone call. And, uh, and that does work. So, uh, you know, they're obviously most of it is software. I think I've had a pretty bad run of hardware and I don't think that's typical. I've not seen a lot of other people having similar issues. So that's good news. Uh, I think I'm just a bit of an anomaly in this case, but the software seems to be where the issue is. And the good news is that's fixable. Yeah. And people are spending a lot of time working on it as well. So good luck to them. So this has been Linux at Work, episode number C on the Pine Phone. To contact us and stay in touch, please visit us at https colon slash slash www.linuxatwork.org. Our podcasts are available there via RSS, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else fine podcasts are syndicated. We appreciate your feedback and ideas, so please share them with us via email at hosts at linuxatwork.org or on Twitter at linuxatwork or in our subreddit uh, slash r slash linuxatwork.
Don't say you got everything Gonna be everyone Gotta be everyone Don't say you got anything Gotta be everything